You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Let's Talk Football podcast. I'm your host Billy Powell and finally, after what feels like forever, there's been Premier League games that have been played on the weekend, so I'm able to bring you back another Premier League roundup episode. Before we get into the episode though, I'd just like to say thank you for all the recent love and support that you've given me and I'm really looking forward to seeing how far we can take and grow this. So all the follows, retweets, likes, shares, etc. really do mean a lot. Anyways, getting into the episode, starting off with Saturday's early game, the Black Country Derby between West Bromwich Albion and Wolverhampton Wanderers. I thought this game was going to be absolutely dire, if I'm being perfectly honest. I mean, you've got two poor attacks against one poor defence and one actually half-decent defence. So for me, I was fully expecting either a boring 0-0 or a Wolves 1-0 win or something like that. But to my very pleasant surprise, that actually wasn't the kind of game we got at all. Only eight minutes into the game, West Brom were given a penalty, a very controversial one at that as well. I mean, it was 100% a foul, there's no dispute in that, but it was outside the box, and I'm not sure how anyone can say otherwise. I'd love to hear the referee actually give the reasoning as to why he thought that it was inside the box, and to more so educate us and help us as fans gauge an understanding of what categories need to be ticked to give a penalty. And I've said it a fair bit in the past couple of years, that referees and officials need to start giving post-match interviews to back up and again give fans some understanding of their de- of the reasonings behind their decisions. Sorry. Anyways, Mateus Pereira sent Patricio the wrong way to put West Brom ahead. 30 minutes later though, and Wolves grabbed an equaliser. Fabio Silva scored what I think was his first goal from open play this season. And just two minutes before half-time, Wolves grabbed a second to put them ahead. Willie Bolly made up for that penalty he gave away earlier in the game as he was able to get a shot off in a crowded penalty box and was able to get the ball over the line. 
Wolves went into the break at 2-1 up, which I'd say was a fair result. But with not long gone in the second half, Wolves managed to get themselves an equaliser through Sami Ajayi yet again. I said it on Twitter, but Ajayi just seems to be the only guy scoring for West Brom at the minute. And in the last three games that West Brom have scored in, Ajayi has scored two and got an assist for the own goal at Man City. It was a great looping header though from Ajayi and just four minutes after that equaliser, West Brom went ahead for the second time through yet another questionable penalty. It was a very soft one and probably was a penalty, but it was just so soft. Pereira put the baggies ahead though and sent Patricio the wrong way for the second time and that's how the game ended. I thought Wolves were very unfortunate not to come away with at least a point but credit to West Brom for coming away with the win. You know these are the kinds of things that Allardyce's teams do somehow just grind out results and that now puts them five points away from Burnley in 17th. Leeds welcomed Brighton to Ellen Road in one of the two three o'clock kickoffs that took place on Saturday. Brighton, who have only managed to win two prior games to this one all season, were looking to make the most of Leeds's leaky defence, and with Neil Mope, who has an amazing track record against Leeds, that's exactly what they did just seven minutes into the game. After a beautiful piece of play, starting all the way back from defence, McAllister's pass across goal was met by Mope at the back stick and with bags of space around him, there was no way he was missing. I mean, if he had have missed, it would probably have been one of the worst misses in football history, but fortunately for Brighton, he was able to tap it home. Not long after that, Brighton hit the bar from Leandro Trossard's deflected shot, which was close to being turned in by Mope, but the ball travelled over his head. 1-0 is how the game ended, um, which now means that since Leeds beat West Brom 5-0, they've lost all of their games since then, losing 3-0 at Spurs and also to Crawley in the in the FA Cup. And 1-0 here against Brighton. Very strange considering that they've got the best third best manager in the world. Anyways, it's about time that Brighton got more points on the board. They've been very unfortunate not to pick up more points this season, particularly with the chances that they've created. They just haven't been able to take them. They'll be looking to build on that win next week, though, when they take on Fulham. The second three o'clock kickoff was between West Ham and Burnley at the London Stadium, and with Haller having left to go to Ajax, Mikel Antonio was back starting, and it didn't take him long at all to get amongst the goals. Nine minutes is all it took after Pablo Fornals' delivery into the box went past everyone but Antonio who was lurking at the back stick. The Hammers very nearly doubled their lead from a corner when Declan Rice flicked the ball onto Angelo Ogbonna at the back post but he could only hit the post. If I'm honest, it was a very boring game other than that. Yarmolenko had a chance late on to well and truly finish it off but he couldn't direct his effort on goal. Antonio was alone in the middle, which of course would have been a better option to take rather than have a go himself, but it didn't matter in the end. The game ended 1-1 and I mean, yes, it was boring, but it was also a fair result in the end. West Brom now sit in ninth place, only four points off Spurs in fifth, whereas Burnley sit four points above Fulham in the relegation zone. Talking of Fulham, they hosted Chelsea in the 5.30 kickoff, and coming off the back of a 1-1 draw against Spurs, a game against Chelsea wasn't the ideal follow-up for Fulham. But I tell you what, they actually looked very good, to Fulham standards anyway. 
they were solid at the back, defended well, and also looked very dangerous when going for forward, particularly down the left-hand side with Anthony Robertson and Adamola Luckman constantly causing Azpilicueta all sorts of problems. And I was actually expecting Fulham to even potentially nick a winner. That was, though, until the 44th minute when Anthony Robertson got himself sent off for a very rash and unnecessary challenge on Azpilicueta. On the edge of the Chelsea box, there was no need for him to go diving in like he did, and especially not with the intent he seemed to go in with. That red card completely killed off the game, really. Fulham continued to play well, but going forward, they just didn't offer anything at all that second half. Chelsea just pinned Fulham back for that second 45. Unfortunately for the Cottagers, they weren't able to keep them out. In the 78th minute, Ben Chilwell's cross into the box was parried away by Alphonse Ariola straight into the path of Mason Mount, who volleyed it home, and that's how it stayed. With that win, Chelsea move up to 7th, and Fulham, of course, remain four points off Burnley. With Yannick Vestergaard still out injured and Danny Ings just coming out of isolation, he wasn't fit enough to make the first team squad as they travelled up to Leicester to take on a Foxes side in very fine form. One of the reasons for that has been James Madison, who has been outstanding in recent weeks, and he continued that yet again on Saturday. It was, of course, James Madison who got the first goal on the afternoon, on the 37th minute after Yuri Tielemans passed it through beautifully and Madison was able to lift it into the near post and into the roof of the net. Early in the second half, Southampton came very close to equalising through Theo Walcott, but he couldn't sort his feet out in time to place it past Schmeichel as the ball bounced off his leg and out wide. If I'm being honest, I was very underwhelmed by Southampton's performance and thought that they should be putting more of a show on than they did. And Harvey Barnes sealed the deal in the 95th minute when Yuri Tielemans secured his second assist of the game and of the season, leaving Harvey Barnes one-on-one with McCarthy as he slotted home his sixth of the season. With that win, Leicester overtook Liverpool and moved into second, Southampton though remaining 18th place, making that their fifth loss of the season. Aston Villa and Everton were due to play at 1pm on Sunday, but due to the COVID-19 outbreak at Villa, that game was unable to go ahead, which now leaves Villa with four games in hand. They are set to face Man City tomorrow, who typically have picked up some very good form ahead of that game, but we'll get to them in a moment. It has been confirmed though that Grealish wasn't among these infected with the virus, and he is ready and raring to go ahead of Wednesday. Sheffield United picked up their first win of the season last Tuesday as they ran out 1-0 winners against Newcastle, but on Sunday they faced a Spurs side who sit 5th in the table, just 5 points off top, and it wasn't long at all before the first goal of the afternoon came. Just 5 minutes is all it took for Serge Aurier, of all people, to latch on the end of Hyung Min Son's corner, and he headed it home. Just a couple of minutes later, Son had a great opportunity to double Spurs' lead, but he was only able to hit the post from his chip shot. In the 40th minute, Harry Kane made it 2-0 when his long-range effort was executed perfectly into the bottom corner. 2-0 was the score at half-time, but just before the hour mark, David McGoldrick managed to get his head onto John Fleck's delivery as he guided it past Lloris to get Sheffield United back into the game. But it wasn't for long. And Dombele scored one of the goals of the season. 
Manchester United versus Liverpool had a lot of hype over the past week or so, and I mean, understandably so. United top of the table, taking on third place Liverpool. You know, you've got the history, the rivalry, everything pointed at this game being a great game full of hatred and world-class talent. And I don't think you could have been further away from the truth. I mean, it was an absolute snooze fest. Liverpool are still yet to score in the Premier League in 2021. The last time Salah scored was against Crystal Palace and that was on the 19th of December. Bruno Fernandes is another one who has done nothing since his goal at Leicester on Boxing Day. Look, for me, whenever I've seen Bruno play, he's just another one that I've never been wowed by. He's a great penalty taker, I'll give him that, but is he really all that? I mean, for me, he's just not. Outside of stat padding with penalties, he really doesn't offer much. You could say he's created the second most chances in the league behind Grealish and above De Bruyne. But Grealish has also played three less games than the Portuguese, and I've never seen Bruno perform against a top, top side. This isn't me denying that Bruno Fernandes isn't a good player. Of course he is. And as I said earlier, he's probably the best penalty taker in the world at the moment. But he really isn't all he's cracked up to be, in my opinion. I'd even go as far to say that he's the most overrated player in the world. If Man United fans are listening to this, let me know why I'm wrong. My Twitter is at LTFootballPod, which is the same as my Instagram. So let me know, send me a message and we'll have a debate about it. Anyways, getting back to the game, it did end 0-0 in the most boring game since the Manchester derby a month or so ago. The final game on Sunday took place at the Etihad when Crystal Palace travelled up there to take on Man City. Wilfred Zaha missed this game due to illness on the morning of the game, but let's be honest, it didn't really matter whether he was in the squad or not. Man City were a million miles the better team, and it was only 20 minutes into the game when they got the first goal. Kevin De Bruyne's into the box was met by John Stones, who got his first Man City goal after four and a half years at the club. In the second half, Ilkay Gundogan scored a beautiful goal to double the lead. His curled effort from outside the box, from just outside the box, sorry, was too good for Guaita, and it wasn't long before City had three. John Stones again with the goal, scoring his second of the evening, and City weren't done just yet. Ferran Torres was brought down on the edge of the area and with De Bruyne being subbed off, Raheem Sterling took the free kick and similarly to the Gundogan goal, curled it right into the top corner. 4 nils how things ended and with City two points off top with the game in hand over United, I fully expect them to be on top, soon be on top. As I said earlier, it's just typical that as soon as Man City pick up form, they have to come and play Villa, who haven't even been able to train, let alone play for the past two weeks. Palace though look very poor, but that's just what Man City can do to teams, you know. The final game of the weekend took place on Monday evening between an Arsenal side looking for their third win in a row and a Newcastle side looking to avoid their third loss in a row. Aubameyang had only scored two goals all season from open play before this game and very nearly made it three when he missed an open goal from about two yards out. Don't ask me how I, how he missed it because I don't know either. <laughs> Unfortunately for the Gunners and Aubameyang himself, he did manage to get that goal in the second half and finally break the deadlock just five minutes into the second 45. A quick breakaway saw... Saw him one-on-one with Matt Ritchie who jockeyed him right until he got into the box and then Aubameyang was able to fire it high and pass Darlow in the Newcastle goal. 
Just 10 minutes later and on the hour mark, Bukayo Saka got his goal and was the, and it was the 20-year-old star boy, sorry, Emil Smith-Rowe, who got the assist yet again. If you've listened to my previous Game Week Roundup episode, you would have heard my thoughts on what I think about him and what a talent he is. But with 10 minutes to go, Arsenal got their third and Aubameyang got his second. Worrying times for Newcastle, and with the way they're playing, I have no idea where their next points are coming from. I've experienced it myself under Steve Bruce. The sit-back, boring football is enough to send anyone to sleep, and Newcastle fans are fed up at it, are fed up of it, and it's no real surprise, is it, really? Newcastle are a team that should be showing ambition, not sticking 10 men behind the ball against the likes of Sheffield United. That's all from me though. Again, thank you all very much for listening. United fans, if you dispute my thoughts on Fernandez, as I said, let's have a debate about it in the DMs. Any other fan base, also let me know your thoughts and opinions. All the best and I'll see you on Friday for another transfer episode that you won't want to miss. It's going to be a good one. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.